This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hey there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Podcast with Statsman and AJ. That's RotoWire's hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner on these pods, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. On today's pod, we're going to continue our series of four preseason shows where we take a look at the Metropolitan Division today. And this is a group that produced the Stanley Cup winner. Uh, my, my partner will talk a little bit more glowingly <laughs> about them than I will. And the President's Trophy winner, in fact, for finishing first in the regular season. And I'll remind you, they were two different teams. In fact, four of the nine teams in this group garnered over 19 points, and uh, they were four of the top nine in the league in that regard, I'm trying to say. Uh, Before we begin our look at this group, let's welcome back my co-host, AJ Scholes. How you doing, partner? I'm doing great, Paul. Just, uh, you know, waiting for hockey season to kick off. Uh, we're a little bit over a week away. It feels like it feels like months away while also right around the corner and just excited for it to get here. Uh, I think most of all, I'm excited to watch that first Vegas Golden Knights game. I think that should be a good uh, a good outing. I expect a lot of energy in that game. I'm, I'm eager to watch it. Are, are you going to are you going to tune in for that one? It definitely will. I think that's going to be a, a landmark event. The first professional sports team in Las Vegas finally arrives, and uh, long overdue, I'll say. Uh, it'll, I'll be curious to see how that team does all season long because uh, they got quite a quite a launching pad opportunity, being the only expansion team this year. So uh, that's only happened a couple of times in the history of the NHL, and I'll be curious to see how they fare in year one. But uh, I'm also pretty excited about what's happening close to home. I mean, Austin Matthews rifles in three against Montreal last night in an exhibition game. You can you can imagine. <laughs> I was pretty happy about that. So we've all got reasons to be excited. And uh, 31 uh, different cities should have all their fans excited at this point because everybody's tied right now. So we'll see how yeah. that goes. I generally agree, but I don't. I, I wouldn't begrudge uh, Colorado fans if they're not quite that excited about the year. Um, but before we kick off the rest of the show, I'll remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey or just hockey in general, uh, you can tweet at us. We'll try and answer your questions either during one of our shows or throughout the week. As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ 24 and you can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. 
All right, AJ, let's get into our Metropolitan Division outlook, beginning with the Carolina Hurricanes. This team finished seventh in the division with 87 points. They were about seven, eight points behind the Maple Leafs for that last spot in the, in the conference. And in the last few years, they've accumulated a good number of young, talented players who are going to close the gap on that play up berth even more, I think, before this season is out. Their forward complement will have a lot to do with it, and it looks it's going to look something like this. We've got Jeff Skinner, uh, Mark... Uh, Jordan Stahl and uh, Justin Williams on the first line. Sebastian Ajo, Victor Rask, and Lund Matthias Lundholm on the second line. Nordstrom, Ryan Teravainen rounding it out. And then uh, I've got room for Kruger, another import from Chicago. This team went, uh, went looking to the Hawks for a little bit of help last year, but they went big time this year, taking up three more players in the Chicago roster. Uh, however, among this forward group, for me, the biggest addition is uh, up front is Justin Williams, who has sealed his reputation as a clutch performer with great leadership uh, skills that he's displayed in the playoffs runs with a few different teams. It's his second tour of duty in Carolina, and it's this time he's going to hope for, to benefit his younger mates with that leadership skill. For me, though, another guy to watch is Jeff Skinner. This guy, AJ, he didn't really have a lot of help last year, and then he still pulled the, pulled the trigger on 37 goals and 63 points. A, a, a true game-breaker who he doesn't need a lot of help to be creative and be dominant, so I'm, I'm kind of excited about to see what he does with a little more help uh, around him on that top line. Uh, he can also look around now and see more quality and depth around him throughout the whole roster, in fact. Stahl and Rask, two big rangy centers, along with Ajo and Lindholm, uh, two very skilled Euro stars, improving and getting acclimatized to the NHL. Each of these guys, in fact, to me, looks like a cinch to reach the 50-point mark at least. Uh, and uh, I'll remind people, just as they got Teravine out of Chicago, they wound up with... Uh, Marcus Kruger, I think, is going to be an, uh, a bit of a wild card. I don't know where he's going to fit into the roster, but I do think they should give him a chance among these top three forward uh, forward lines. And I'm kind of wondering if your uh, views dovetail with mine here. Well, I mean, we could probably start calling it, you know, Chicago South in Carolina. <laughs> I mean, you've got Tara Vinen, Kruger, Darling, uh, right. Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Klaus Dahlberg has spent some time uh, with Chicago. I mean, it seems to be that's where they want to get all their guys from. But I think for me, I'm most excited to see what Sebastian Ajo can do in his sophomore campaign. Uh, as a 19-year-old, he managed 24 goals and 25 assists, and that includes notching 14 points in his final 19 games of the year. Um, I expect him to carry that momentum forward into the 2017-18 season. And then even at 35, I think Justin Williams is a great addition. Uh, he's compiled four straight seasons with over 40 points and missed just three games in the last six years. I think when putting together your fantasy team, mostly for season long, this isn't going to affect you in daily as much. But I think durability gets overlooked too often. I think the fact that you can count on him to be in the lineup night in and night out is a huge comfort. Now, I'll knock on wood just in case. I don't want to jinx him uh, by saying that. On the defensive side, uh, you're going to have Jacob Slavin with uh, Brett Pesch, Noah Hanfinen, and Justin Falk. And then Klaus Dahlberg with Trevor Van Riemsdyk, as I mentioned. Um, and I think this is an underrated top four defensive core. Each of these guys had 20 or more points last season uh, with Justin Falk leading the way with 37. I think because this team has struggled in years past, some of these guys are going to get overlooked, especially in your daily contest. But Falk is a top end power play quarterback. Uh, he averaged uh, two minutes and 43 seconds of ice time and tallied 13 points with the man advantage. So definitely don't sleep on him. And I think TVR can approach 
30-point mark this year as well if he can stay healthy even in that third pairing. So I definitely see this as a plus for this group. They've been getting better uh, every year as they've added new pieces, uh, and I definitely view it as a positive. Paul, do you uh, is it a plus or a minus for you? Oh, it's a big plus for me. Uh, the top two pairs here include four of the smoothest skaters you ever want to see, and they're all in one squad. Uh, they can all move the puck, too. Along with the capabilities of the forwards here, in fact, this might be the fastest lineup in the entire league. So that's, that's one other reason why I don't want to underrate these guys too, too much. Their skating ability is going to keep them in a lot of games uh, when some other stuff might fail. Falk, uh, as you said, has consistently been among the top goal-scoring D-men over the last few seasons, so definitely a guy that will go among uh, the leaders in, in uh, early drafts for among the defense scoring uh, types. Uh, you can pencil this guy in every year, it seems, for 15 goals and about 50 points. But right behind him, I think, Hannafin is, is uh, entering his third pro season, and that's when a lot of guys uh, take the next step, next step in their development. I forecast him to be a breakout candidate here, and I think he can expect about 40 points from him. Slavin and Pesci are 23 and 22, respectively, on a second pairing, but they played with a more mature poise than that last year and hopefully can build on that you mentioned tvr the oldest of this group of 26 years old a second quality edition from chicago that we've talked about so far so i like the depth i like the combinations and i like the fact that these guys can each be uh, big time point producers and puck movers on this blue line aj so uh, a big plus as you said in terms of the goaltending uh, they got scott darling out of chicago assigned him to a big contract four years 16.5 million dollars he's going to battle with uh, Cam Ward who's been with Carolina forever and probably he's going to get a chance to play more than Ward because of the investment they've made in him uh, I love I like this tandem a lot uh, and and uh, I think that uh, you can see the split in favor of Darling probably getting about 50 starts but don't sleep on Ward this guy is has got a lot of pedigree he's only 32 years old and and he will push the uh, in new uh, new recruit uh, to be his best it's going to benefit uh, the team to see this battle go on in goal and uh, I think later in the season though you can look at Cam Ward as a real strong candidate to be traded at the deadline there's going to be changes in goalie situations around the league this guy's playing out his option he's not the long-term solution so I wonder if they'll be able to flip him for uh, more resources down the line so that's how I see it do you agree AJ I think my one concern is Darling has never played more than 35 games in a season. Uh, and that's the only thing that worries me about this duo is can Darling hold up as a true number one? I definitely think he can. Uh, fortunately, as you mentioned, even if he does slip a little bit, they still have a Stanley Cup champion in Cam Ward, who, in my opinion, has taken too much of the blame for the team's struggles in the last couple of years. Um, I think as good as this tandem can be, if you look at the rest of the division, they're up against some of the top netminders in the league. Uh, so that could set them back. Now, you mentioned Ward as a potential trade candidate. I think a great spot for him to go maybe at the deadline would be uh, to the Winnipeg Jets. I mentioned that yeah. goaltending was their biggest downside. And to bring in a guy like Cam Ward, who has won the Stanley Cup, knows what he's doing has been around the league for a long time i think he'd be a great fit up there um so that that'll be my bold prediction uh for these podcasts uh, <laughs> these early podcasts is that cam ward ends up with the winnipeg jets before the year's out yeah it's a great fit uh, right off the top of my head in terms of reacting to that comment but uh, i still hold out the thought the hope for carolina is that maybe there's a couple of teams that are struggling with goaltender issues like that part of the season maybe there's a bidding ward for this guy this guy's services and ward certainly could fill 
fill the gap uh, almost anywhere in the league as a, as a capable fill-in for any starter that goes down. A lot of situations out there will be better than, than Carolina's by the trade deadline, too, because it's contending teams will be coming after them uh, in trade talks. So uh, good situation in the Nets for, for Carolina. I echo your concern about Starling being a, you know, never being a full-time first-string starter, but the guy's been a really solid backup in Chicago for a long time, showed well whenever he's got the chance. Up next, it's time to consider the Columbus Blue Jackets, who had a 108-point regular season, including a remarkable 16-game winning streak before suffering the misfortune of running into the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round of the playoffs and getting bounced in five quick games. So their coach, John Tortorella, won the Coach of the Year award, but I think this was a team that just played like it was expected to the previous year. Only last year, they really achieved those uh, those goals that were set for them. Uh, this, is, this is still a really deep roster and a scary-looking team in this division, AJ. Uh, one through nine, they've got nine really viable options among the top uh, three lines. It looks like it could line up like this. Felino, Wenberg, and Panarin. Uh, on the first line, Jenner, Dubinsky, Atkinson on the second line, Calvert, Dubois, and Anderson on the third. The way I break it down is this. Of course, the big addition up front is Panarin, a game-breaking scorer out of Chicago. Cost them Brendan Saad in an off-season trade. Saad was, it's interesting here, Saad was signed to a, a big dollar contract uh, that co- made him too costly for Chicago at one point, but now they've seen fit to bring him back in, and it did cost him one of their one of their young snipers. So uh, I think it's going to hurt the Hawks in the long run, and and Panarin could really excel over here. Uh, he's going to line up on a textbook type unit. The way I break that down is a great playmaking center in Wenberg and uh, and uh, Felino, an industrious, hard-working winger. The captain is a guy that's a leader here for sure. You can pencil all these guys in for between 60 and 70 points, in my opinion. Cam Atkinson uh, bucks the trend here in terms of not being over six feet tall. He's the shortest forward on this roster by a wide margin, AJ. But it's not not at all limited by that fact. He's expected to approach 30 goals and 60 points just like he did last year. So uh, don't let his diminutive stature scare you. This guy's one uh, still one capable scorer. Then Dubinsky is another great playmaker. And Jenner, another good cornerman with size. So the two top forward lines, they really are built the way you'd like to see uh, cap- complete units. Uh, I'm curious to see Dubois, last year's third overall pick, kind of got lost in the shuffle when you're talking about Line and, and Matthews. And this guy didn't even play in the NA. NHL, but he's really good, and he's going to get his feet wet in the third line role and could see some power play time as well. So a good sleeper possibility there. What do you think about these forwards, AJ? I love the addition of Panarin uh, from from their perspective. And this is all because, as you mentioned, the, ca- the Hawks were hard up against the cap and didn't want to have to potentially pay Panarin in a couple of years. I mean, they were thinking beyond you know, he's under contract for this year and next year, but Saad's contract goes longer, so they just didn't want to worry about having to pay them. Uh, so just because of that, you know, they get Panarin, who I think long-term is going to be the, the better player between the two just because he's a little bit younger. Uh, Jenner continues to be hampered by a mid-body injury, uh, which the team hasn't released a lot of details about, and it's starting to raise some red flags, in my opinion, Uh, everything sounds like he'll be ready in time, but they haven't really said much, um, about his status and, and don't sleep on Oliver Borkstrand who could earn a spot in this lineup. He notched 13 points in just 26 games last season. He's got a sniper's mentality that could really boost the black, uh, blue Jackets scoring depth. And then lastly, I'll just mention Josh Anderson remains without a contract, which has kept him away from the team during camp. 
could cause him to be a little bit rusty if and when he joins up with his team. Uh, he's a restricted free agent. Apparently, the two sides just can't, uh, you know, come to some middle ground here. Uh, not sure what's holding that deal up, but it, it's definitely getting late in the game to still have him out. Uh, defensively, going to line up with Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones on that pairing. Uh, that's a, a powerful tandem. I'll talk more about them in a second. Then you got Jack Johnson and David Savard. Ryan Murray, and then Gabriel Carlson and Marcus Nutavare, I think will compete for that, that third pairing spot there. You know, Wierinski in just one season has elevated himself, I think, to the second tier of NHL defensemen. That's that tier behind Carlson, Burns, and Hedman, and should be able to repeat his rookie numbers, which was 11 goals and 36 helpers. Uh, I expect him to start taking on more minutes this year. He averaged just just under 21 minutes last year i'd expect that to be closer to 23 24 uh, which should help him rack up even more points Uh, overall it's a really young group with jack johnson as the only player in his 30s so i expect a few growing pains over the course of an 82 game season but overall it's a solid group from top to bottom in my opinion how do you see him paul i definitely agree with you here i think the top pairing in fact could be one of the very best in the league like you talked about Wierenski and jones two very young guys but look at ryan picked up 47 points in his rookie year and jones a recent high very high first rounder himself has taken a little longer to get to where uh, where Wierenski got last year but a uh, very capable offensive guy and very responsible defensively as well as being a tough big man I, Seth Jones has it all, the complete package for me. Jack Johnson, also, people forget, he came into the NHL as a highly regarded offensive defenseman, but last year, finally able to play a full season after many years of injury troubles, he's partnered with David Savard in a shutdown pairing with an offensive upside to boot. So top four guys can all move the puck and score. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a drop-off from the first pairing, but there's still good opportunities to get some points out of out of Savard and Johnson both should flirt easily with the 30 point mark at least that's uh, good insurance and depth uh, on this roster and you consider the top the bottom three guys will provide some uh, some additional hope for uh, not much of a fall off if there's any hurt hurts on the top four uh, any of these three you guys can step in in the short term and fill in admirably and the guys who benefit from that will be the goalie tandem uh, of Bobrovsky and Corpusalo. certainly Bobrovsky was the leader in goals against and save percentage last year and is poised to tar- target both those totals once again this season he's clearly among the league's top five goalies in fact he's always seems to be in the Vezina discussion doesn't he AJ uh, his backup Corpusalo though was injured for the first half of last year and they had to use Curtis McElhinney in that role before he was shipped off to Toronto. Corpusella will start the season healthier, and and the hope is that he can get into about 25 games to spell Bobrovsky, uh, because this team hopes to go deep in the playoffs. They don't want to burn out their their uh, Vezina Trophy winning goalie. What do you think about this tandem, AJ? Yeah, as you mentioned, Bobrovsky's coming off winning the Vesna Trophy uh, last year after logging 40-plus wins for the first time in his career. I think my biggest concern, much like you, is the workload. Uh, as he went just 1-8-0 in his final nine outings of the year, and that was with a 3.64 goals against average, so far different from what we saw uh, throughout the regular season from him. I do agree. I think Corpusala should serve as a capable backup which should help to ease that burden on on Bob down the stretch and hopefully keep him uh, rested and fresh for the postseason. AJ, our third team in this outlook in the Metropolitan Division is the New Jersey Devils. They finished with 70 points, missing the playoffs by a wide margin. They did win the draft lottery, though, 
And we'll talk about that pick in a minute in addition to the rest of the forwards that line up this way. They've got Taylor Hall, Adam Henrique, and Kyle Palmieri on a, on a very interesting first line for me. Marcus Johansson comes over from Washington. Nico Heischer is that first overall draft pick. He'll probably get a second-line role to start the season. And uh, Drew Stafford on the right side there. Then it drops off a little bit with Wood, Zaka, and Noison on the third unit. They've got a couple of issues here. Uh, Travis Ajak is out uh, with a pectoral muscle surgery recovery uh, that's underway and he'll be uh, out of the lineup till mid-December so you got to figure they're going to plug Nico Heischer into that at least a second line role if not eventually a first line role here but good opportunity for the rookie but I'm sure they'd love to have the big rangy veteran center in the mix as well and then of course some uh, tough news for Brian Boyle diagnosed with a treatable form of leukemia those of us around this show and, and Rotowire certainly well wish him the best and and what i understand it is a very treatable thing uh that he's facing so let's hope that he does recover this is one of the good guys in the league and, and a really top-notch face-off guy but uh make no mistake nico heischer is the big story here the top draft pick in the most recent draft he was 10th in the qmjhl in his rookie season after coming over from his native switzerland aj for his north american debut he's regarded as an elite passer playmaker and has tabbed to fit between veteran shooters johansson and stafford when i look when looking up Johansson in fact I did a double take AJ when I realized this guy collected 58 points last year in Washington he was a long time part of their potent power play and should get a similar opportunity here Stafford as well as a pure finisher and should benefit from this assignment with a young uh, passing specialist the other scoring line has proven experience featuring Taylor Hall as uh, as far as skilled left wings he's one of the top ones in the league Henrik very good playmaker and smooth skater and Palmieri in fact uh, might surprise you this guy led the club with 26 goals last year so he's no offensive slouch uh, in this regard so they've got some options here on the on the some building blocks finally in place on the top two lines and uh, I wonder if uh, building another line around another talented center may have to wait until Sajak comes back Uh, this could be very interesting team more so than it has been in years for me AJ what do you think yeah, definitely. There's some pieces to build on with this group, um, but I do think uh, they are still in a rebuild uh, situation, and it's all going to be centered around uh, Nico Hirscher. I think one of the pieces that they're going to build on as well is going to be Marcus Johansson. He, uh, as you mentioned, 24 goals, 34 helpers last year, and that was with a talented group of scorers in Washington. Whether the 26-year-old can produce at the same level uh, with, you know, Heischer and Stafford remains to be seen. I think Taylor Hall should repeat his 50-point season as well. Um, I think there's some reason to be excited. I, I don't know if it's going to be this year, uh, Devils fans out there, but there are players on this team that can definitely uh, help build what you know where you're trying to go and i don't think it's going to be too long before this group is uh competing for you know some uh uh, playoff uh, appearances defensively i have definitely more question marks i think uh it's going to start out with andy green and ben lovejoy as the top pairing that's not a very offensively minded group there Uh, you've got john moore and damon severson and then michael kapla and Will Butcher. I think if they're all Wisconsin rookie duo of Butcher <laughs> and Kepler can live up to expectations, 
they sh- they have a potential all-star pairing in the making uh, it's not going to be this season but down the road i think if these guys develop as they're expected that's a top a potential top pairing for them in the future but looking at just this season as i mentioned green and lovejoy they're grizzled vets but they have minimal scoring touch and while severson does have the ability to find his teammates on the ice uh, a tremendous assist man there his defensive capability is a little suspect you know he's uh logged an astonishingly low minus 30 uh, minus 31 last year and so he has some defensive concerns as well there's a couple other young guys they've got in the system that could chip in i i think the defensive group is what's going to transition more uh you know they're starting to get the pieces together on their forwards they need to start putting them together defensively as well and i think that's going to be the one thing that holds them back this year but it's definitely trending in the right direction uh, that's how i see their blue line paul how about you yeah when you when you mentioned the order of these defensive pairings in fact yeah, the hope is that in a couple of years you can flip the order and kaplan butcher will be the number one pairing here i agree with that assessment for sure uh Getting Butcher was a real coup for this club. He was one of those undrafted college guys uh, that people were bidding on in the summer. And you mu- think he must have done his homework because he must have seen a path to more responsibility here in the near term as opposed to going to almost any other team in the league when you look at the depth on defense. He and Kapla, I agree with you, will form one of the more talented and young, certainly youngest uh, tandems in the league if they keep these guys together. But they do offer a ton of hope for the future. Green, Lovejoy, and more certainly, as you highlighted, don't figure to be very productive offensively. Severson, in fact, may be the top scorer in this group with about 30 points tab for his production this season. It's still a position of team weakness, as you suggested, but uh, with at least the young pairing in place and, and Severson making the grade on a full-time basis last year and continuing this year, they got it halfway home, I think, and, and they got to put in another piece, a couple of pieces. But the gold-handing tandem here hopes to insulate these guys, particularly when you look at the fact that Schneider appeared in 60 games last season. His numbers took a hit as the workhorse regressed a little bit under the high volume of shots, and the hope is that they can minimize that a little bit because this is still looking like a bit of a lower-scoring offense. They hope to get a bit of a bump there so his team will score a little more than he hopes and and hopefully he stresses less about that end and his game comes back a bit because this guy is is a really quality type of goalie and and guy who's proven to be capable of handling a big load but Kincaid right behind him is a solid guy backup and he knows his role here this guy's not uh, not in this to say i want to steal the first uh, first string job and and often that gets in the head of the uh, presumptive starters that's not going to be an issue here and that should also benefit schneider uh i think i think it's an interesting tandem and i i don't want to undersell uh, schneider and goal this guy is a very capable uh, netminder in my opinion yeah, I mean, 2017, 2016-17 was definitely a season to forget for Schneider as he went uh, an abysmal 20-27-11 with a, a rather disappointing 2.82 uh, goals against average. I think the defensive core ahead of him is probably going to expose him to a lot of rubber again this year. Uh, so it could be more of the same for the netminder. It's it's definitely not all his his fault or responsibility. I agree. He's he's a talented netminder. Um, I just think the defensive group ahead of him uh, isn't going to help him as much as he hopes. Uh, and you know, as you mentioned, Kincaid is not a number one goalie. Uh, he's a capable backup and coming in to rest Schneider when necessary. So they'll they'll form a decent tandem. Um, neither one's going to you know blow blow the doors off or, or compete for a Vesna in in my opinion. But they'll they'll 
keep the team in in contest and hope that their offense can actually chip in this year yeah what i hope is it doesn't look like new jersey style uh, boring style of hockey that we've seen for about 30 years but you know in the early part of that uh, 30 year run they were pretty successful and uh, maybe the better days are just around the corner for them up next though we turn our attention to the new york islanders who missed out on the playoffs by a single point last year boy you got to think that that was a burr in their butt all in the offseason for this whole group <laughs> their signature players in the final year of his current contract we'll get to him in a minute so you can imagine the speculate speculation around the team captain uh, that's going to dominate the news here aj they did add a piece among the forwards that i think could make a difference and could make him happy jordan everly was picked up in a trade with edmonton uh, they gave up ryan strom uh, they have uh, he and uh, john Tavares, the captain here have enjoyed playing together on the international stage with some success and it's hoped that they can bottle that and bring it together with everly's debut in the in the, in the new york long island area uh, they uh, the rest of this uh, team will line up as follows of course Anders Lee has proved himself as a bit of a sniper type playing with Tavares for the past year and a half that's going to be a pretty potent unit AJ I think that you can look at all these guys that are all capable of 30 goal seasons so I wonder how high the ceiling is for this trio Uh, and uh, they'll definitely be the focus of opposing teams but at least now the Islanders can point to a second line center in Brock Nelson who seems to have proven himself and cemented himself in that role that's been missing here for a long time and he's going to be partnered with Andrew Ladd, one of the better power forwards in the league, and Josh Bailey, who's coming off a career-high 56-point season. So that's a pretty interesting top six. And then they've even got more possibilities in the, in the next unit with Barzal and Hosang are two more uh, recent young drafts who have a lot of skill to threaten for top six minutes sooner rather than later. So they'll be pushing the top six guys, the veterans here. And uh, Joel Chimera and Beauvillier, they will round out the depth forwards uh, who have uh, an inkling of, of where the opposing net is. So don't sleep on either of those guys late in your draft. They could help you if they're in the right situation. What say you, AJ? Well, Jordan Eberle is a is a talented winger and and definitely an upgrade from from Ryan Strom. I'm not sure that swapping him for Strom is necessarily the move that Tavares was hoping for because I don't think it drastically improved the squad as a whole. I think if you could have kept Eberle and Strom and maybe given up something else, and then I think maybe this would have been maybe more what the captain was looking for. Um, I do expect that other spot in the first line to be a revolving door like it was last year. I think Lee. As you mentioned, he'll get first crack, but don't be surprised to see Ladd, Bailey, or even Hosang uh, get a look up there. Uh, they did much of last year. The line shuffled around a lot uh, for this club in particular, uh, with especially that left wing spot. So that's definitely, um, you know, you're going to have to pick and choose your spots uh, for, you know, capitalizing on those guys. Make sure they're still with John Tavares. I've called it all last season the Tavares effect. If you play with them, you get better numbers. So you got to know, especially for the daily players out there, you got to know who's going to be on that top line. Defensively, you've got Nick Letty with Johnny Boychuk, Calvin DeHaan with Dennis Seidenberg, Adam Pelch uh, with Thomas Hickey, uh, and Scott Mayfield is is a player who could see a little bit of ice time, but I don't expect him to have too much of an impact. I think much like the forwards being centered around one player, the defense here is much the same with Nick Letty accounting for the bulk of the offensive production from the blue line. Uh, One knock on his game is his power play numbers. 
Uh, he had just 15 points with the man advantage last year, despite averaging over three minutes of power play ice time per uh, per game. Uh, I have concerns about some of the long-term durability for the two elder statesmen in Boychuk and Seidenberg. Yeah, sure. uh, I'm, I'm not sold on getting rid of Travis Hamanick. I think he was was a solid uh, you know, guy for their team. He may not have put up the numbers that everybody wanted him to, uh, and maybe a move was the best thing for him, but I think losing him has made this defensive group slightly worse. Um, so that's my interpretation of, of their moves and how these guys are going to shake out. Yeah, and I, I agree with this. Uh, certainly, Letty has thrived on the island and ranks among the elite defensemen in the league when you consider his productivity, his, his ice time, and his shots on goal, uh, as well as what should be a strong power play unit again, uh, giving him an opportunity. I think he's got to do more than score the, the t- in the teens on the, on the power play, and I think he will this year. Boychuk had a tough season last year and is hopeful of a bounce-back campaign. This guy possesses a booming shot, too. He'll, he'll get exposure on the power play to, to take, a, take that cannon into play. Dehan uh, is another guy who took a bit of a small step forward and also settled in as a shutdown type. I think he's capable of producing more than the 26 points he got last year, and that might really help this club. But the fact that uh, Dennis Seidenberg is still listed on the second pairing is a bit of a shot to uh, the rest of the roster here uh, on the blue line. Hickey and Pelic and the rest of the possibilities on defense, this is certainly not deep enough a unit for me, and it causes a bit of a concern when I rate them against other teams in this division. And the guys who might pay the most for that are in the Nets, Thomas Grice, and Yaro Halak. Uh, I have to give Grice marks, though, for per- persevering here and finally emerging as the number one starter where he was the backup for a long time. I pencil him in for as many as 50 to 55 starts this season ahead of Halak, who's had a tough time just staying healthy over the last few years. This is one of the few tandems in the league where both goalies are over 30 years of age as well, and this club is simply not good enough to, to insulate them. Uh, they're going to get a lot of work on a nightly basis, and when there's injury concerns to a goalie facing a lot of rubber, that spells uh, impending doom, and, and the Islanders really are going to be hard-pressed to, to offset that. For, for my money, this is one of the weaker goal uh, goaltending pairings in the division. I think much like Darling and Ward, it's not so much a lack of talent. Grice posted a, a pretty admirable 26-18-5 record. But as I mentioned, the Mo- Metropolitan is filled with the likes of Lundqvist, Bavrowski, and Holtby, proven winners who are hard to top on any given night. I think it's a good move that they parted ways with J.F. Barub in favor of Herlock. Uh, that was definitely the right call. Uh, but this is one team that I could see looking at more of a full-blown split once the season kicks off. Uh, I, I expect Halak will compete for some some ice time. So that's that's one uh, minor minor uh, loony bet here for us. I, I think <laughs> Halak will take more uh, more of the starts away. I, I'd expect it to be closer to an even 40-40 split. All right. Maybe we'll have a 50-cent bet then. There you go. <laughs> AJ, let's give a nod to our friends at FanDuel. Uh, fantasy football fans, the wait is over and football is back. We're now talking about week, week three in the rear view. And at FanDuel, I'll remind you that fantasy football is there for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every week. No busted seasons. Something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from. As For as little as $1, just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. I love that aspect. 
Uh, I'm not too crazy about what went down in this past week uh, in terms of a lot of different situations. I'll touch on a couple that were more personal to me. In week three of the NFL, the biggest surprise for me was the Raiders no-show uh, on Sunday night in Washington. I couldn't believe with so many skilled players, yet they barely amassed 100 total yards. That was a killer for me in the Rotowire staff free roll because I had three of their receivers in this thing, including a tight end and two wideouts, and none of them did a thing. And uh, in head-to-head play, my Rotowire team looked almost pulled off a huge comeback against my other podcast partner John McKechnie we'll be on the show together tomorrow on the MLB pod and I'm just waiting for him to do some trash chalking against me he had me by a wide margin and all I needed was a few more points from the Dallas a Dallas trio of players but there wasn't a lot of offense from those guys Uh, certainly people are going to be talking about the touchdown that Des scored for a while if you saw it AJ he broke about four tackles and dragged three guys just a hair over the goal line from 10 yards out one of the more remarkable plays I've seen him at pull off in his career with the Cowboys but uh, Witten was a no-show and certainly didn't get enough points out of the kicking game either so I was burned by that a little bit uh, uh, I'll, I'll also tell you that uh, your guy Geronimo Allison was a nice waiver pickup for me so uh, those are my stories and I did defend the honor of Rotowire once again in the fantasy show league I'm now 3-0 and and atop that very august group so I'm pretty excited about that most of all what say you about your week well, it's actually funny that you mentioned Geronimo Allison. I picked him up uh, in my portion of the Vegas League as well. And I think, I, uh, looking at the numbers, I would have won if he hadn't gotten tackled seven yards from the end zone on that deep overtime bomb. If he gets into the end zone, uh, I actually think I would have won this week. Uh, admittedly, I, I continue to struggle this year. I just can't seem to put the right combination of guys together. You know, I had Thompson uh, from from the, the Washington club. He got me 27 points in daily. But then I also had Michael Crabtree, who, as you mentioned, too, those guys completely bombed. Uh, so just not putting together the right combination of guys. Uh, I think for me, the biggest surprise was the absolute beatdown that the Jags put on the Ravens. Right. Uh, apparently, Jacksonville only plays well in London. Uh, they're, they're <laughs> they travel better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, maybe maybe it is time to consider moving them there full time. They're they're a better they're a better team. Uh, Bortles has played consistently better uh, in London. So, not sure what's going on there, but uh, I was surprised to see how badly they beat the Ravens. Well, and remind our listeners, we'll remind our listeners that over two and a half million players have won cash at playing on FanDuel, just like AJ and I have done so many times. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, we invite you to sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than one million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Of course, these contests are void where prohibited. Don't forget to check out our also. Don't forget to check out our daily fa- baseball pods from Monday to Friday. We'll also be throwing in some basketball and NFL pods as we transition from the major leagues at the end of this week. So uh, look for that changeover, and I hope to be a part of it as well, uh, reprising my role as a podcaster with my son Dan on one of the NBA pods coming up. Team number five in our Metropolitan Division preview is the New York Rangers. The reward for their fourth-place finish was the top wild card and the opportunity to bypass their tough division in the playoffs last year. They almost did it, AJ. They toppled the Atlantic Division's first-place Canadians in six games, but they bowed out in the second round to Ottawa in a tight six-game battle in round two. Here's what their forward complement will look like. They've got speed to burn on the first line with Kreider, Zibanejad, and Zuccarello. They got size 
to run over people on the second line with Vesey, Hayes, and Nash. The third line is a born of a skill unit as well with Grabner, Miller, and Buknevich. And Dayarnay also will push for playing time. This is a guy who's played a first-line roles uh, in Montreal, second, third, so he's a very useful guy that will plug in and kind of an insurance on the injury side of things because he can play the wing and play center. They, As I said, they got speed galore in that first unit. Trouble is their individual ceilings are only in about the 50 to 60-point range for me, and that's not good enough for first-liners. Uh, the second line is one of the largest in the league. They'll play a more deliberate possession game, and they'll dare you to get the puck off them with all of them, these guys locked to get locks to get at least 20 goals. So on the whole, the top six is pretty good. Uh, I'd just like to see a point-of-game guy in this mix. I don't know who it could be. Maybe you'll point somebody out for me. Grabner figures to regress a little bit from that career high of 27 goals that he got last year and slide back into a third-line role, so don't overrate him because he'll disappoint you, I think. Buknevich could move up if he stays healthy. This is a guy who I think, of all the guys in the bottom six, has the most upside, so keep an eye on him to see if he gets an opportunity. That's the way I break this group down. Uh, are you views similar or different? Well, it actually sounds like uh, Coach Elaine Vigneault is going to move JT Miller to the wing, uh, which is kind of an interesting prospect. Uh, it opens up that third-line center spot and might leave uh, Buknevich sitting on that third line, which I don't think is the worst thing. I, I think he's a talented uh, talented player and can add some you know depth scoring from that position. I do think that opens the door for Desjardins, as you mentioned, uh, to get a look at that as that third-line center. But don't sleep on their two youngsters, Elias Anderson, who has taken seventh overall this year, or Philip Chittle, uh, the Rangers' first-round pick from 2016. Uh, I like Jimmy Vesey. He had a decent rookie campaign, 16 goals, 11 assists. An impressive 13.8 shooting percentage. That was one of the higher ones uh, looking at this team with a year under his belt and I think less pressure on him after the, the off-season circus from a year ago uh, You know, being gone. I think he's capable of challenging for 40 points. Should take on a bigger role with the man advantage. But I agree with you, Paul. I don't think there's a point-per-game producer uh, in this group defensively uh you've got ryan mcdonough and the new signing kevin shattenkirk uh brady skay and brandon smith and then mark stahl and nick holden will round out that third pair there was a lot of talk at the start of camp about mark stahl potentially getting pushed out of their their lineup uh, on a day-to-day basis but i do expect him to hold on to that third pairing role uh he isn't an offensive force just 10 points last year so he won't do much for you in terms of fantasy production but he is the type of defender every team needs uh and then obviously i expect shattenkirk to put his postseason disaster behind him uh, and get back to racking up 40 plus points a year I think he was just not suited in this power play only role that Washington tried to force him into. I think he thrives better when he's eating up big minutes as he did throughout his time in St. Louis. So I think Shattenkirk uh, will be back in a role that he's more comfortable with and get back to being the top end player that he can be. Uh, what do you expect out of out of uh, Shattenkirk? I, th- I expect to get a dollar out of you because I think this guy's going to have a tough time in the Big Apple. He showed in the playoffs what I think are his true colors. This guy can't handle pressure like I thought that he might. And uh, to me, that poor playoff performance worked against him in many, many ways. Cost him a lot of money at the pay window, too, in the offseason, my, reg- my opinion. We know he can be productive offensively, AJ, but he was exposed uh, big time in his own end. And they're really going to want to work on that in New York because they really sp- strive to be a... P- 
two-way team, uh, an elite two-way team, and right now this guy's a one-way player. So I think he's going to struggle with that transition. I'm more, uh, I have more faith in a guy like Ryan McDonough, the team captain. He's going to have to insulate Chattenkirk, in fact, and it could be a pretty strong tandem if they let these guys play together. <coughs> Excuse me. They could reduce as many as 80 points between them, in fact. Shea emerged as a third capable offensive defenseman, and he worked well with Smith, who was a late-season add-on from the Detroit Red Wings. Stahl and Holden are no more than a good shutdown pair. They don't have much offensive skill between them, but they'll be there to shut down opposing uh, offenses for sure. In net, uh, another older tandem, Henrik Lundqvist, uh, backed by Andrzej Pavlik. Uh, Lundqvist leaves me with conflicting indicators, AJ. His regular season stats were among the worst of his career last year with an goals against average almost 2.8. But then he had such a strong playoff and backstop Sweden to the world hockey gold as well. The King is now 30 years old. His club better reach for the summit soon. Uh, Pavlich, for his part, was an odd choice for the backup role here, in, in my opinion, when that vacancy emerged. This guy is also 30 years old and very injury-prone, as he showed during his time with Winnipeg. For me, this signing of Pavlich it looks like a big mistake. There were a lot of other options that they could have ch- chosen that would have made more sense, and maybe he started to look at a transition from their longtime staple uh, in the number one role here. What are your comments on this goalie situation? I, I know they said that he's fine. Uh, you know, King Henry stopped 37 of 39 shots in last night's preseason tilt, uh, but the injury, the knee injury concerns me a little. Uh, the other issue, as you pointed out, is, is Pavlich. Uh, the guy was not good enough to start the season with the Jets. He was intended; they intended to have him spend the entire year in the minors uh, until their goalie situation started to unravel. And then when they did call him up, he saw a few games worth of ab- action before, as you mentioned, injuries sidelined him again. I think, given the question marks about Pavlich, uh, I think Lundqvist is going to have to go back to being a 60-plus uh, game player uh, as he was in in previous seasons which, as I mentioned, that knee injury uh, concerns me a little bit, and I think it could tire him out uh, down the stretch. I, I would have looked for them to bring in another guy like they had an anti ranta that you could count on to get closer to 30 games rather than probably the 20 to 25 uh, that they'll give Pavlicek. So I agree it was a bad, a bad signing. There are better options out there for them. Up next, AJ, we're going to take a look at the Philadelphia Flyers. They're another non-playoff team from this division. They amassed 88 points, so they missed out by about six or seven in the postseason play. In looking at their roster, a high percentage of, an extraordinary high percentage, in fact, of key players on this team are in their late 20s and or early 30s, implying that a significant makeover is on the horizon. They did add one very good young piece with the second overall draft pick, though. So their lineup will look something like this. They've got Travis Konechny, a young winger who made the grade, and flourished last year among these vets, uh, flanking Claude Giroux and then Wayne Simmons. This guy, I love the way he plays the game, AJ. A big guy, power forward who skates like the wind. He gives a big effort every night. Raffle, Couturier, and Voracek on that second unit. You wonder if Voracek misses those days when he and Giroux were playing together. I think a reunion of the two of them would benefit both frankly, but that's not the way it's looking right now. Jordan Wheel had a fine debut uh, late in the season and looks to push for top six minutes. He'll start on the third line. Val Philpilla is the center here. I'm not sure why they traded away Braden Shen. We can talk about that for a minute. I love your opinion on that one, AJ, but I thought that was a terrible trade by the Flyers, giving up on Shen and and, uh, 
filling in with Phil Pula here. So uh, I, I just wonder about that move a little bit. And uh, Dale Weiss, uh, another guy on the wing who's more of a plugger, but will, is uh, by default pushed into a third-line role. Uh, Matt Reed is also in the mix to push for minutes. But Nolan Patrick is a guy that I got my eye on. You wonder if he's going to start the season with the big club. This guy was drafted second overall. He was almost rated first overall much of the season in the amateur uh, rankings, but uh, did go number two. I think he's a, more of a Philadelphia Flyer type guy kind of a Claude Giroux clone in my opinion so I'm kind of interested to see how this all shakes down uh, Simmons like I said brings the effort every night Connecting's going to ch- get a chance to prove that his development uh, improve his development with shots a shot at the first line if he falters though like I said I'd love to see Voracek move back in there Couturier uh, on the second line is going to be tasked with cracking the 40 point mark for the first time in his career this guy was a former uh, high pick just hasn't worked out for him uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, struggled to reach that 40-point plateau. You need a guy with 40 or 50 at least on that second-line center role, and they just don't have that. It's an indicator that I think the future is not very bright for this team, in my opinion. And uh, I want to know what you think about the forwards here. Yeah, I agree with your assessment on those trades. I, bringing in Valtteri Filpula, um, you know, they didn't give too much up to get him, but they got Jory Laterra, who we're not even projecting to be in the top, you know, the top uh, four lines even in order to, you know, ship Braden Shen off. So as you mentioned, it, it does kind of become Shen for Filpula. I don't really like that move at all. You know, Filpula is a fine player, but he's 33 years old. Shen significantly younger, so has a lot more um, upside. I think much like New Jersey, uh, this team is entering a rebuild mode and it'll be structured around Nolan Patrick. Reed and Philpilla have one year left on their deals. Uh, could be trade bait at the deadline if those guys are having good years. I think Travis Konechny should be poised for a big year, uh, getting the assignment alongside Giroux and Simmons. I think uh, those two guys, uh, Konechny and Patrick, are the future of this organization. Uh, as I mentioned, Konechny had 11 goals and 16 assists, or 17 assists as a rookie and should take on more responsibilities, including additional power play minutes. And those two should eventually pair up. I don't think we'll see them together much this season. Um, but long term, I think that's kind of their one-two punch. Uh, defensively, you've got uh, Provorov and McDonald, Gudis and Gostisbehar, Manning and Morin. I think after a breakout season, the Ghost was, I'll use air quotes here, relatively disappointing with, again, more air quotes, just 39 points last year. I mean, understandably, the, the seven goals, uh, the you know, is a little bit of a concern. You want more out of him, you know, with how offensively minded he is. You expect a little more goals from him. But I think concerns about this huge drop off from him are a little over the top. Uh, I don't expect him to be, you know, a 50 point player, but he should be solid in that 30 to 40 mark. Uh, Radko Gudis posted career highs in both goals and points. I look for him to continue to get better and set new highs in in both those categories for the upcoming season. So there's definitely some players uh, defensively that they have that I like. Uh, Not as high on their forward group right now, as you mentioned, um, but I think defensively they're they're trending upwards. Uh, do you see the same thing out of them? Well, they offer hope when you think that Gossesbury, like you said, only 39 points. That's not bad, but Provorov had 30, and then Gudis 
picked up the pace with 23 points. So that's three guys that are capable in terms of moving the puck. Uh, Provorov was certainly a nice surprise, ranking in the top tier of a very deep rookie class. He and Gossespierre will definitely handle much of the offense from this group, as you've mentioned. Gossespierre suffers from the fact that when he's on the ice, the opposing team knows what he did when he was allowed to freewheel. And they've been hitting this guy a lot with uh, great consistency. And I think that's what he has to... uh, man up against in order to get back to a 45 point level or 50 points that he had uh, that pace the year before so that's his challenge but uh, the rest of this group will be counted on to play tough and be sound defensively there's uh, there's no hope for a lot of offense from from the bottom half of this group I don't think Moran might offer the the biggest upside I wonder if Sanheim will even get a chance in this group overall I think I view it as one of the weaker ones in this division apart from the top two scoring options in Provorov and Gossespierre though so that's the way I see it too AJ in goal another area of concern for me uh, with uh, Neuwirth and and Michael Neuwirth and Brian Elliott the tandem here I'm betting you're not impressed with this group either AJ I'm even more unimpressed uh, after watching Elliott in Calgary last year that was behind a much stronger defense than the one that he has this year Philly has been waiting for Neuwirth it seems forever to take the next step I say that's not going to happen this year either behind that defense Uh, that's my quick uh, goalie analysis here what do you think about that partner well you guessed right Paul I I think this could be uh, one of the worst tandems in the league I I don't know why they brought Brian Elliott in in the first place after you know a disappointing season that he had right Uh, we've seen how Nurvirth responds when he isn't the true number one and I expect this to be a potential uh, split goalie situation, which I don't think suits either guy as well. Um, and the, the one guy I mentioned, I know he got hurt in the offseason again, but I continue to maintain that Anthony Stolarts is the best netminder in the Flyers organization. Why they refuse to give this guy a shot. Again, I, I understand he got injured, but they brought in Brian Elliott, so new, uh, Stolarts was never going to get a shot to be the number two or, or unseat Newverth as the number one anyway. Um, so that that injury becomes kind of a moot point. So I, I don't understand what they're doing. Um, maybe they think he needs more development. But from what I've seen out of him, Anthony Stoller is definitely the best netminder in this organization. Well, that's an interesting call, my friend. And I'm sure we're going to see him at some point because these are two goalies that are going to drive the coaching staff mad. And they're probably going to want to transition at some point. I'm saying he gets a chance, but it'll be later in the season. Good stash call, call though, though, if you're looking at maybe the next wave of flyer goalies. I like him, too. Up next, though, it's AJ's favorites. I can see him getting pumped in the background. Uh, you know what? The, the defending champs uh, are back, and uh, they're looking for a three-peat, and that hasn't happened in a long time. Uh, they they did it last year without uh, having a signature high-scoring defenseman on their roster much of the season and regular season in the playoffs. This group, uh, though they carved up the jackets, they outclassed the Caps, survived the Senators in a tough series, then clinched the cup with a win in a tough place like Nashville. So you got to give them credit for doing it the way that they did. A second straight season with the Stanley Cup in the Steel City. That said, you won't, wouldn't expect too many changes up front, so we expect a familiar makeup among the foreign, foreign forward lines. And uh, the first line, an interesting one for me, Jake Gunsel and, and uh, Sheary, they're flanking Sid the Kid, two young players that have tremendous upside there. Rust, Malkin, and Kessel on the second line. Hagelin, Rowney, and Hornquist, who's got an injured hand, uh, but the, I'm hearing that he'll be ready for the opener. I'm sure AJ will have a comment there. 
Those ringers on the top line have rejuvenated the captain. Gunsel, in particular, has been a scoring machine since coming up from the AHL midway through last season and was leading goal scorer in the drive to the Cup last year's playoffs. Sheary's season was interrupted by injury a couple of times, but he always came back stronger. This guy was like the ever-ready bunny uh, <laughs> uh, coming back and delivering. Said the kid was his usual self. What more can you say about him? AJ will find some words, I'm sure. More of the same is expected this season from that trio. Malkin, still the best number two center in the league, but that sounds almost like an insult to a guy who is a perennial candidate for the Art Ross Trophy. There's one drawback here with him, though. He tends to miss large chunks of the season just in the last few years, and he did it again last year. So if you're in regular season fantasy... I have a Spocky and I when I think about Evgeny Malkin in the top tier of NHLers. He does, re- he does probably just uh, t- need a little time to regroup for long playoff runs that he, he's been going on. Phil Kessel, a two-time champion. Wow, I can't believe I'm even saying that. <laughs> he's been another elite contributor, and he's still only 29 years old. Seems like he's been around the scene for a long time, though. Rust is a hard-working guy who must feel lucky to play with these two guys. From there on, it gets a little bit thin for me, though, with question marks at center ice. A, he- a healthy pair of wings in Hornquist and Haglund would be a big help. What say you about your guys, AJ? Don't take half an hour to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think one of the interesting question marks for me is going to be how long uh, Connor Sheary can, can hold off on that, that top pairing. I, I know during the postseason he got benched. Uh, a little bit, and they like to put Patrick Hornquist up with Sidney Crosby. I think Jake Gensel is a lock to be there for much of the season. I mean, he led scoring in in uh, th- this competitive summer league in Minnesota over the year. Uh, he's come out strong. He had a five point performance in a preseason game. I mean, this guy just puts pucks on the back in the back of the net and on his uh, teammates' sticks, which is great for Sidney Crosby. I think having Gensel and Sheary you're actually going to see Crosby continue to compete more for the, the rocket trophy uh, as he did last year. Uh, generally over his career, he's been more of a uh, two assists for every goal scored uh, type player. And that changed last year. He was definitely more uh, goal oriented, goal minded. And I don't think that's going to change with, with those guys. It'll be interesting to see though, if Hornquist ends up on that top line at some point, uh, the one talking point I've heard a ton is Riley Sheehan prop potentially coming over as that third uh, center. I think that would be a great fit for them. Uh, I, I like Carter Rowney and everything he can do, but I, I do think uh, they need someone in that fourth role. So I, I would love to see them bring uh, Riley Sheehan over. I think he'd be a great fit. Another player I'll just mention you may not want to sleep on is Josh Archibald. He he definitely could compete for some playtime, could challenge, uh, maybe uh, take some minutes away from Brian Russ potentially. If Sheary gets bumped off that, that first line, uh, Archibald could take away minutes on, on the third line from him at some point down the road. So uh, there's definitely – some great talent here, but I agree that the thinness at center is a concern losing both Benino and Matt Collin. I, I didn't think we'd get both back, but I was hoping we could keep one. Uh, that obviously didn't happen. Uh, defensively, you've got Ole Mata with uh, a rejuvenated, hopefully Chris Letang uh, getting back him back into the lineup. Uh, you can't overstate his benefit to the team, even though they managed to do it without him last year. Uh, Ian Cole and Justin Schultz have made up a, a phenomenal pairing uh, much like uh, the defensive offensive pairings we've seen with you know other other teams throughout the league, Justin Schultz has really thrived uh, in 
you know, in uh, in Pittsburgh since uh, joining them, and I think he'll continue to be a power play uh, quarterback for them. And then Brian Dumoulin and Matt Hunwick uh, as that last pairing. But Chad Ru- Ruedel will definitely challenge Hunwick for minutes here. Uh, Dumoulin's definitely a, a lock, and you could see Dumoulin flip with Mata periodically and play with Latang. He's much more uh, solid defensively. Every once in a while, Ole Mata will throw up one of those defensive plays that just has me banging my head against the wall. Uh, and so Brian Dumoulin's a little more solid defensively, and so you could see him with Latang. So there's movement here uh, to be had, but Justin Schultz, Ian Cole is definitely a lock pairing. Those guys just do so well together. Um, I think defensively they'll look good this year, um, but Paul, I, I'm not sure. Do you agree? I, I do. I, I said that they didn't have a healthy elite D-man last year because Latang missed half the season and the entire playoff. But you look at what Justin Schultz did. He certainly emerged with a career season of 51 points. So in the long run, this could really benefit the Penguins to have two offensive fire uh, guys with offensive firepower like these two in their lineup. But the key is, like you said, can Latang stay healthy to to complete a season and play more than 40 or 45 games. I think he's worth taking a shot on because if he if he stays healthy, he's going to reward you big time and threaten the top defensive scorers in the entire league. Uh, Ole Mata is a guy I'm a little bit uh, down on, uh, i got to say, AJ. His career is not developed as I thought it would. He would have been the guy that I thought would have been their elite defenseman in the face of an absence by Latang, but he just didn't deliver the goods. I still see an upside in him if, if you want to hold on to him. He's a young guy still, and uh, he should be buoyed by the quality of the roster around him. Colin DeMoulin will vie for top four minutes, as you suggested, and uh, Hunwick is a good insulator, uh, an experienced six-man. I like the addition that, the, that he brings to the table to offset the losses that they had on the blue line last season. The goalie tandem might be a battle for backup uh, between the young and the old, but certainly you got to love the fact that Murray is coming back as a two-time Stanley Cup winner. He's only 23 years old. I, I don't think you can slam this guy, and I won't. The one concern I have is whether he can withstand the rigors of a 60-65 to 65 start uh, schedule because he needs to pull that off. When you look at the backups that he has, the options are these. They have uh, Tristan Jari, who ha- well, excelled at Wilkes-Barre Scranton of the AHL for the past two years, but he hasn't played in the NHL for any extended period of time. And they also have Antti Niemi. And uh, the mere mention of his name, I just saw AJ Twitch in the background, so I know you're not high on him. So you got to hope that Murray stays healthy, my friend, don't you? Oh, definitely. That's definitely the, the, the clear concern here. And, yeah, as you mentioned, can Murray hold up uh, you know, to a 60-65 star campaign? I, I do expect to see him uh, logging that level of numbers. And I just cannot figure out why we brought in Antti <laughs> Niemi. I mean, I, I'd rather have – I know Brian – I've been hard on Brian Elliott, but I think I'd rather have him wow. back there than, <laughs> than Antti uh, Niemi. And I just – that one boggles my mind. Uh, honestly, I think Tristan Jari should be the guy that they're using. All the talk is that Jari's going to spend another year uh, in the the, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton, uh, you know, club with uh, with the baby pens there. But he went 28-15 and one last season with a 2.15 goals against average. I don't know why we're keeping this guy in the minors for another year. It doesn't make sense to me, especially for a leaky guy like uh, Niemi. And so I think Murray's going to have to play. 60 to 65 games uh honestly my confidence level if we had jari as the backup i'd be okay playing murray closer to to 55 
uh, and giving him some more nights off. But with Niemi as a backup, uh, I mean, can Murray play 82? Is that an option? Um, I just, I'm just very concerned about that. So that's my take on it. Um, I obviously long-term Tristan Jari is not going to be uh, the starter unless Murray completely collapses in his career from here on out. Uh, they're about the same age. So I'd like to see Tristan Jari get, you know, some additional looks at the NHL level and use him to trade for something down the road. Um, you know, cause uh, as I said, Murray's going to be the number one long-term. Finally, we wrap up the look at this division, AJ, with the perennial playoff disappointments, the Washington Capitals. This team was the president's trophy winners again in the regular season, but they got a huge scare in the first round that really started to make people wonder, is it happening again? They eked out a six-round uh, win in the first round against the, J uh, the Leafs with five games going to overtime in that series, but they fell again to the Pittsburgh Penguins in six games during round two, and you had to love that, partner. They've <laughs> lost a few quality pieces up front, though, and they'll have a bit of a lift different look among the forwards it'll it'll shake down kind of like this Ovechkin Backstrom and Oshie return as a maybe the one one of the best units in the league Connolly Kuznetsov and Burakovsky the second unit Grayovac Eller and Wilson a third line and then they have Smith Pelly and Verana vying for top nine minutes here the first line looks like it's going to be intact and be great again Oshie's addition was expected to be seamless, and he did what he normally does. It's about 55, 60 points. You can almost pencil this guy in for at least that again with these elite players playing with him. Maybe the best line in hockey, I'll say. Kuznetsov and Burakovsky, I don't know why they ever pulled these guys apart. They were on and off each other's lines all last season, but they've been pretty good together whenever I've watched them, so I'd like to see them stay together for an entire season. And the lucky guy that could benefit from this is Brett Connolly. He may get a look on that second line. Grayovac, for me, is an intriguing big man who could also challenge for more important playing time. Eller is a guy that I'm really down on. This guy, AJ, was tabbed to be Montreal's first, string, first line center when he was drafted. He has certainly fallen from that and uh, he is a skilled player, but his compete meter has regressed over the last two seasons and is reflective of the declining effectiveness. That's a bit of a concern here. In fact, I think this is a much weaker uh, unit up front. Do you agree? I think there's no doubt this team has gotten you know worse up, up front um, at the forward position. You still have Ovechkin, although he failed to crack 40 goals for the first time since the lockout-shortened 2012-13 uh, campaign. And they have Kuznetsov, who also saw a drop in production, uh, you know, along with, you know, Backstrom and Oshie as well. Um, but each of these lines, in my opinion, has a player with some, you know, some question marks. Um, for me, can Bur Burakovsky step, step up to be a 20-goal scorer? They expected him to be coming out of the 2013 uh, draft when they took him in the first round. And I've seen some reports that actually have Jacob Vrana, uh, on that top line trying to capitalize on his creativity so i think there's some question marks as as to how all these pieces you know will could brett Connolly actually be a second uh, a second line winger i'm not totally sold on that i i think he'll potentially be on the third line and then as you kind of alluded to the depth beyond kind of those four guys uh in you know ovechkin kuznetsov backstrom and oshi the depth beyond that is spotty at best uh, and in my opinion, it's kind of guys who haven't really fit in their previous stops. As you mentioned, Lars Eller, uh, Tyler Gravovic, uh, Devante Smith-Pelly. It's guys who have kind of bounced around uh, and just, you know, looking for a new a new group uh, and trying to see what they can do here in Washington. Uh, defensively, you've got Matt Niskanen with Dmitry Orlov, uh, John Carlson, 
uh, with uh, Brooks Orpik and Tyler Chorney with Christian uh, Dews. Uh, I think for the absolute cannon of a shot that Matty Niskanen has, it's surprising to me he's never cleared more than five goals with the Capitals. Uh, apparently everything uh, that he's putting on net is getting tipped in, though, uh, considering he had 34 assists last year. That's the second highest total of his career. The biggest knock for me is his power play numbers, where he has just nine points last year, and those really don't reflect his minutes. He averages 148 per game with the man advantage. And then Jews uh, is an interesting prospect for me, especially with his offensive capabilities in the minors. He racked up 58 points in 66 contests last year, and I actually think he could be a decent option uh, on their power play as well this season. So look for him to get in there. Uh, they have Yuri Yokopaki uh, sitting around as a as a potential depth guy as well. That's another guy, new club, uh, didn't really seem to fit last year. So it'll be interesting to see how how this all shakes out with those roles. Um, so, Paul, what was your take on on the blue line here? Well, I like the the feel of having Niskanen and Carlson. They're a pretty strong one-two punch in terms of the offensive capabilities on that blue line. I th- certainly cap- think they're both capable of scoring more than they did last year. In fact, I think you, if all things go into place for Carlson, he could threaten the 50-point mark. And in fact, Orlov is a third guy who can move the puck and produce points here. So that's a real luxury still for this club, even though they didn't bring Shattenkirk back. Maybe that's one of the reasons why. Uh, I expect, in fact, Orlov could be a bit of a breakout candidate offensively. And you're right about Christian Jews. This guy is going to push for top four minutes after an outstanding offensive outburst in the AHL that you pointed out in Hershey. And uh, beyond them, Orpik and Chorney return as the two shutdown defenders. Nobody's going to be drafting them for their points, but maybe for hits and block shots if they factor into your leagues. In goal, they have a very steady and stable tandem, one of the better pairings in the league. Holtby returns on the short list of uh, one of the league's top goalies. He's right there with uh, leaders and wins every year, a true workhorse, an annual Vesna contender, and uh, that's not blowing smoke anywhere. Uh, He's just that good. I think he's going to see a higher volume of shots, though, this year, and I wonder about his temperament because uh, I saw him lose his cool a few times late in the season, and particularly in the playoffs, and I'm not used to seeing that out of a guy who's pretty much a metronome in the Nets. Uh, you wind him up and, and he gets close to 40 wins. But uh, there were a few cracks that I saw there. And right behind him is Grubauer. I'm actually surprised that he's back with Washington. I thought he would be a candidate for exposure and going to, to uh, Las Vegas. But uh, he's back and he's uh, formed one of the better tandems in goal with the presumptive Vezina Trophy candidate in Holtby. Uh, that was a bit of a surprise that Gruber came back. Grubauer came back. What do you think about the goalies here, AJ? There's no knocking this this pairing here. Uh, uh, Holpe, as you mentioned, to 40 wins in each of the last uh, three seasons, including uh, you know he his his games played has gone down a little bit every year. So they've tried to take a little bit of the pressure off. You know, in 2014-15, he played upward of 73 games, mm-hmm. whereas uh, last year he only played 63, which is still an astronomically high number um but he had nine shutouts last year a a 2.07 goals against average Uh, i wonder if we'll continue to see that number drop a little bit as long as they've got grubauer in the fold um, maybe to try and see if that's what can help them in the in the postseason Uh, but i question whether they're going to have grubauer still in the fold Uh, he signed just a one-year deal with them and so i think that's another potential trade uh, candidate uh, to go somewhere for as you mentioned injuries can come up 
or of course, you know, teams that are in contention but unhappy with their goaltending situation. So Grubauer, another player that could get moved at the deadline. And if he does, they still have another top prospect in Phoenix Copley in the system. So he would be the guy that Absolutely. Up, I think. And then even behind him, Ilya Samsonov, a highly regarded Russian uh, import that, that is possible. So there's depth and goal right throughout this organization. Great call by you on the Grubauer situation. Which brings us to an analysis of our predicted standings. AJ, I've seen your picks and I've seen mine. We're pretty close. Uh, why don't you take us through your one to eight? Yeah, I did actually change it up while we were mid uh, podcast. I, I like to, uh, you know, kind of listen to your arguments and, and see where we're going. So uh, all that to say uh, from what you saw at the start of the show, I moved the Rangers down. But it, I think it's going to be Pittsburgh finally getting back to winning the President's Trophy this year. Although I'd be perfectly happy if they didn't because they won the Stanley Cup the last two years without it. Uh, I think Columbus will come in at number two. Uh, that's a talented squad led by a phenomenal goaltender. And the trend's going to be much the same. I've got Washington at number three. I talked about this forward group being worse, but at the end of the day, when you have Ovechkin and Holpe uh, leading the way on the front and back end, it's just so hard to knock this team. And so I have them at number three. My big mover here is going to be Carolina at number four. I think they're finally putting together some solid pieces. I love their defensive group. Yeah. Uh, I think they can really get up in the play, and I think that's going to make uh, the transition to full-time number one for Scott Darling a little bit easier. I expect them to bring in a, a solid offensive uh, forward when they do trade Cam Ward to, uh, <laughs> to the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I have the Rangers dropping here to number five and and that's the one that i changed mid-show uh i think their uh goalie situation is starting to get to be a little bit of a question mark for me uh the backup is really a concern and so really having to lean on king henrik more uh their forwards as you uh pointed out aren't there's no point per game guy in there uh, so they're definitely capped at what they can do and then defensively i have some question marks as well uh, I think of the bottom three, uh, we're probably going to shuffle around here who's where, um, but I think there's going to be a pretty big gap in this division between the top five and the bottom three. I've got New Jersey, then the Islanders, and then Philadelphia coming in last. A lot of this just has to do that all three of these teams are in a rebuild. Yes, the Islanders have Tavares, but there's significant question marks throughout the rest of the lineup. And none of these three teams have a standout netminder uh, which is the the kind of signature of this division. You look at those top five clubs, with the exception of maybe Darling being somewhat untested, they've got a, you know headlining elite talent netminders. So that's what makes the difference, and that's why I ranked my teams where I did. Paul, how about you? Well, I agree with the top two, Pittsburgh and Columbus. I think they're the class of this division. Washington does take a bit of a step backwards because of the, the uh, less offensive forward compliment i'll say they they have lost some scoring punch up front so that's going to cost them a couple of rungs in the standings the rangers and carolina will battle it out for fourth and fifth i have the rangers fourth just uh, on the basis of uh, experience i'll call it and uh, carolina maybe a year away from threatening for a playoff spot that's the way i see that there i love the assessment that we both have on the on the hurricanes this is a team that is upwardly mobile in the standings over the next couple of years just because of the speed and skill that they've amassed at uh, every position and uh, i wonder how 
the new goal he's going to fare there. That's going to be the biggest question mark in terms of their success or failure. The Rangers, for their part, I think this is a team that's a couple of years away from a bit of a rebuild because Lundqvist can't be expected to carry the flag much longer, I don't think. And I agree with you. If the top five does separate from the bottom five, I still can't put a Philadelphia Flyers any lower than six just because the Islanders are in such disarray. When your captain is uh, in such a murky situation that, and your signature player, that's got to really grind the rest of the, the, the feel around the organization, in fact. And so uh, I'll have a question for you at the end of this in a sec that's pretty obvious. And I'll say the Devils bring up the rear in this division as well. The Travis Ajak injury is a bit of a problem for them because they'd uh, they'd like to insulate Nico Heischer a little bit better than they will. And so that's the way it shapes down for me. But the question I have for you, John Tavares, does he sign with the Islanders or not? I don't think so. I think, uh, as I mentioned off the top, I know Eberle was, was a good signing for them, but they gave up his best player to get another good player they haven't really gotten any patently better by doing that and so i think there's still questions about that there's still questions about the arena i i know everything we've heard says Tavares loves playing uh, on long island for the islanders but i just think there's too many question marks i don't think he's going to resign now i'm not sure they're going to find somebody willing to pay the price that they're going to ask for john Tavares at the trade deadline so they may be forced to actually just lose him in the offseason which would be a, a big hit to this organization but um i don't expect him to resign no yeah i agree with you and uh, i'll take a page from steven stanko's handbook this guy is quite happy to be in sunny the sunny state of florida and looking at the florida situation when you look at the salary caps they they're one of the teams that doesn't spend near the cap max and that could be an enticing target for for them to bring in Tavares as well because they're right now 11 million dollars under the cap limit so that's a team and a situation that could be very inviting for for uh, John Tavares uh, that's out there I agree with you I just don't think staying on the island makes any sense when there's so many uh, concerns and question marks and quite frankly the talent base is such that this guy's not going to win a cup there in my opinion if he sticks it out so that's that's the way I see it and uh, I'm glad we kind of agree on that because I would be wondering if if you felt that if you could justify any reason for him returning to the island I can't think of one at all in any case AJ that wraps up this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ fans Remember to send your comments and questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. You can certainly look forward to one more of these preseason shows where we'll be highlighting the key players and prospects of the Atlantic Division in our next podcast on October the 3rd. That's, of course, the eve of the season opener. We are both so excited about this, and I know all of you are as well. We ask you to look out for Podcast Hockey Pod every week so you get all the latest news and tips on how to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest. So long, everybody.